millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm here for the thrill. Roberts again. Smuggler through to Ekwon and Back after Preston nil, Sunderland three, the most bizarre, mental, mad half twenty minutes, I guess, of football I've ever lived through. It's a few hours after the matter of fact now, and I'm absolutely done in, if I'm honest. And I think this man sat across from us is the same. Hi, Chris. Hi, right, Gav. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Part of us, part of us couldn't wait to do this part, and part of us <laughs> was kind of dreading it because, as we were talking before we started, we're just speechless. I mean, it's you, you know, you didn't think that was going to happen, did you? You, you, well, you said no. You know what it is? It's, it's this young team again, and I'm going to sound almost kind of like a broken record, like it did after the West Brom game. But sometimes, you know, we talked before the Norwich game, and we said. You know, oh, this is a young side and they're going to a tough place and we need three points. And they got three points. And then we said to Burnley, oh, you know, well, you know, we drew against Luton and got beat at Sheffield United. We thought it was all over. We went to Burnley and we thought, you know, young, we've got a young team and they're going to this Burnley side, wiping the floor with people. And then they got a result. And then, and then we went to West Brom and we thought, oh, we need a result. And then, you know, this young team, the Hawthorns is bouncing a little bit and, They've got to go to a tough place and get a result. And they've got a result. <laughs> and we've we've gone to Preston and Preston are no mugs. If Preston wouldn't if Preston beat us today, we finished on level points with Preston. But we went to yeah. we went to Preston and we wiped the floor with them. I mean Yeah. And and rode through a little bit of pressure actually, because yeah. they had first off, they had chances and it could have been a different score line, you know, if we hadn't a 
toughed it out a bit. They had maybe been a bit more clinical. It could have been totally different. But the important thing was that it wasn't. And like that second half, just that was this team at its absolute best. The goals, the the football. The, I'm just speechless. I think I've got. What do you say about like, me and you have just before we recorded me and you have just watched the goals back together, and I'm watching them again for the first time since the game, and I'm thinking like, how is this Sunderland I'm watching? It doesn't feel right. It still doesn't feel right, even after like a year and a half of watching a really good Sunderland team every week play good football. It doesn't feel right, does it? Like it, it's so deeply ingrained in me to sort of second guess myself here and be like, is this really Sunderland I'm watching? They were wearing blue today. Are you sure that's Sunderland? <laughs> you know, because like, we, it, it just isn't meant to be this way. This wasn't meant to happen. I, I've said this before. Like, it, how are we in this position? It's just bonkers, isn't it? Well, you've just touched. You've touched on two things there. The first one I, I wanted to point out as well that you know, and again, you can look back at the West Brom game, the opening period of the West Brom game. Um, where the Hawthorns was bouncing and West Brom were all over us and we were chucking ourselves in front of everything. Um, and and again, against Preston, Preston came out the blocks. First 10 minutes, it was all Preston. And then we and then we turned it around just like we did at the Hawthorns. And I tell you what, again, you know, I think, what was it, three? And I, I'm doing this off at the top of my head, but I think it was only three players over the age of 22 today in that team, three or four. Something like that, which is um, which is just trying to think. Yeah. Owen, there'll be no Nyan, uh, Roberts, Gooch. and Gooch. Gooch, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, three. So you know you've got you've got like three players over the age of twenty two, which is ridiculous, and the guts, the guts, and the the balls that they showed to 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 ride at that out of West Brom and to do the same at Preston and then come out on top. I mean. Because we can talk, and we'll talk in length about all the fantastic football we're playing, the one-touch stuff, three goals that will probably, well, I w- would normally uh, rank up there with, you know, goals of the season, but uh, for some reason that, that nobody's watching our goals this season, so they're never up for, um, never <laughs> candidates. But, you know, three goals that it would grace any goal of the month or goal of the season competition. But just the, let's talk about the guts that these lads show when they, they, they dig in. Yeah. And the, the the grind out these things because, you know, the, the first ten minutes, like I said, was all Preston. From the 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 shorter graphic on Sky where they said from ten minutes to twenty minutes, we had eighty percent of the possession. So we we rode it out, and what we did, we took control of the next ten minutes because we mm-hmm. we we kind of rode it out, and then we took control of the game. And to do that with a team this this of this age, like I said, three players up over the age of twenty two. Is ridiculous, really. Yeah, and, and Mowbray in the build-up to the game was very, very clear, and so were his players. We had to go and win. And, like, <laughs> you know, you've very much seen that attitude in full force in that second half in particular. And, like, so you just got to give them credit for the way the grind results out because it, it would be very easy, just as a maybe as a neutral or someone who missed the game, to watch the highlights and see the goals back and see the scoreline and think, oh, well, Sunderland coasted that, but... Like I say, there were parts in that first half where we were under pressure. You know, I think I think of the the chance that um, Delap had in particular, where sort of the defense went wandering. Gooch played somebody on side, and he was in on goal. And at that moment, a clinical player scores that, and it's a very different game. So you know, mentally, the only way we know to get over anything really, never mind just sort of minor setbacks in the game or let offs, is just to play football. Like we get the ball, 
Patson gets the ball, we pass it out from the back, we play through the thirds, and we just try and take teams apart that way. And I, I, I can remember back to, um, we, we had a sort of difficult run around February time, and me and you doing podcasts at the time, we were we were really fed up actually, we were sort of sitting here thinking, why, why don't we just have a different way of playing? Why don't we try and change things? And I guess in the end, you can sort of say, why can't you? Because today, we've put out a team, pretty much, you know, what we've got. I guess that it would be the team when, when the, you know, before the game, I thought that would be the 11. Because there wasn't a lot of choice. And even during the game, we had a couple of injuries. And you're looking at it and you're thinking, and actually to me, I don't think it matters who you put where. You could put anybody in any position and they all understand what's going to be asked of them, which is basically just to work very hard when you haven't got the ball. And when you've got the ball, make sure that the players who can devastate teams get it. We don't we don't have any individuals in the team really, other than perhaps Ahmad to a degree, but even then he's fairly unselfish when he needs to be. And what that's a good thing because the other players, you know, the likes of I listened to Trey Hume talk the other week and he was talking about how sort of simple his job is when he's got Patrick Roberts and Ahmad in front of him and he just gives them the ball. That's the way it was in this game. We just got the ball, the, the danger men, and Obviously, I would love to have heard the, the half-time team talk because we come out and it was just all out attack. It was like back in the day when you had Champman and you used to set your tactics, just your players to go absolutely ballistic, no defenders or anything. But it worked. It worked. We, it's how we won the game. Just fantastic to watch and just a great, great afternoon, to be honest. Even aside from the fact we got the, the last playoff spot, just that was this team at its best. Yeah, and it, and it kind of, well, that kind of, attacking was it kind of it was and it wasn't because I mean actually it's interesting you you went back to that um blip we had in February when me and you it was after the Rotherham and the Coventry games the two back-to-back away defeats that we had in 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 February late February yeah and we talked about then of having a different way of playing and we came back the next away game was Norwich and I think that was the first time we showed this plan we came up with this plan where we were we were patient we kind of dug in we kept kind of our you know we were solid when we needed to be we played football when we needed to be and since then our away form has been absolutely superb you know like the, the Norwich game we won Burnley drew Cardiff won West Brom won and we beat Preston as well but like you said that that first half because we talked about that when Delap went clean through well 10 minutes earlier they had a 4-2 chance and actually it was only a Dan Neil tackle that actually stopped them pretty much going clean through on goal then and that was it was yeah. a cracking tackle from Dan Neil, but and Tony Mowbray was was right. If you listen to him after the game, he said the first half we we let it be to, be a bit too frantic. We didn't have enough control over the game, and when you said we we were really attacking in the second half, we were. But again, I thought we were in a really patient way. Like if you looked at how we kind of built up and built up momentum, we we basically started a pen Preston in, but. We we didn't we weren't just kind of gung ho and kind of flooding flooding the box and all this sort of stuff. We we were just more controlled over how we attacked. Whereas we were too frantic to get that opening goal in the first half. And I thought Mowbray was a bit of a genius where he just he he seemed to just calm everyone down and said, "If you keep the football, we'll we'll end up winning this game." And and that's how yeah. it turned out. That you know we, we ended up having more we ended up having more possession in the final third. And if you know, if you've got players like Ahmad, Roberts, Clark, and they get more of the ball in the final third, they're going to show you what they what they do. And Ahmad and yeah. Clark produce two pieces of magic. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, the, the other one, which the other Preston chance, I think uh, we haven't really touched on. I think Ali, it was Ali McCann for Preston, who uh, he had a shot and it deflected. Patterson was sort of left flat-footed, wasn't he? And I'm sitting there going, no, and it just went wide. Other than that, though, you know, like I said, you 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 mentioned it there. We had a really big period in the in the sort of pe- well that that period after Preston's initial spell, where where we just dominated the ball. And I want to talk about this because I think if we hadn't won the game or we hadn't went through, this would have been a real contentious talking point. And it didn't feel like Sky treated like as seriously as we did, maybe as fans. The the tackle on Gellart in the box, right in front of the referee, he doesn't give it, doesn't give the penalty. I've never seen a more blatant penalty in my life. I I, I think I know why he's not given it. But it's not the it, it's not right to me. I, I think I think you know, it's a bit of smart forward play, play from Joe Gellart, which has knocked the ball away. The lads clearly dove in. He's went he's went right across him, and yes, maybe Gellart, you know, in that. And I think when you slow it down, it looks a bit worse. But you know, Gellart in that in that trajectory, he's, he's going forward, clatters into the player's knee. It's to me, it's a nailed on penalty. I I don't understand how he hasn't give that with a view he's got. Yeah, I, yes, and I know what you mean, and it, it it probably should have been a penalty, but there's two things that I think the referee was thinking of. I think the first was the gap between Gellart and the defender when the defender like kind of dropped his foot leg there, and the other one was how far the ball went because the ball pretty much rolled through to the keeper, and I think the referee kind of summed those two up and thought. And just thought it wasn't it wasn't as nailed on as he wanted it to be. And look, I've I've probably seen worse decisions to be honest. I I can see what it probably should have been a penalty, but for me it wasn't. You know, if that touch, if his touch hadn't have gone as far in front of him as it did, maybe he would have given a penalty. But I don't know. And and I do think it, I do think it was a pen. I don't do think it was a pen. But I'm just saying I don't think it was that. You know, absolutely, hundred percent nailed on. I think there was a couple of things that, like, clouded the referee's decision, and he went, mm, "I'm, I'm not going to give that." And and he went on the side maybe, of caution, maybe, but... but I know what you mean. And it would look, it should have been a pen, but I'm just saying, yeah, it's not. It wasn't like a hundred percent nailed on pen for me. The issue for me is that it feels like he was looking for a reason not to give it, give it rather yeah. than, yeah. You know, but but at the same time, it looked it kind of looked like Gellard kind of play for it, like looked for his leg as well, and didn't get us wrong. He, he it was a clumsy, lazy tackle. The defender was crap, and it should like I said, it should have been a pen. It was a, it was, but I just think these few things kind of stacked up in the referee's head, and I think you know what it is in these situations on the last day of the season, you know, where there's all this at stake. Referees are crapping themselves. They do not want to make a big decision like that. That you know, and it was what mm-hmm. I mean. It was nil nil. Twenty minutes into the game. And I just don't think he he wanted to blow up that early. I think he crapped himself and just went, nah. There's there's too much doubt in it for in his mind. And like it's one of them where I bet you you know in the middle of the season if he's whistle happy and it you know he doesn't feel like there's that much at stake, he's given that. But last day of the season, yeah. I think especially at their place as well. I just think he crapped himself. Possibly, yeah. But I mean, I'm not going to sit and go out referees against just <laughs> yeah. Get VAR in this league sooner rather than later, please. Because to be fair, the referee for a bit of balance today, I thought the referee was cracking actually. Because Preston tried all the tricks they could in the book. You know the, you know even when they brought Clark down quite early on. I think it was in the first 
uh, 15 minutes when Clark broke down the left and he, we were on a right counter-attack and the lad got hold of his shirt and just kind of took him down. And he gave a yellow card for that straight off early. There's some referees who wouldn't give that, but look, in the in the grand scheme of things, this referee was was much better than what we've what we've seen this season. I think part this all feeds into a sort of larger issue around how vague it is to actually give like the decision that goes into giving a penalty. Now it's not as cut and dry as it should be. You know, it's either a penalty or it's not. You you, you know, in a split second, the, the ref's got a decision to make. Yeah, and that, and just you know, it could it could be. To me, if he gives it, nobody's sitting there going that wasn't a penalty. Yeah. It just it, it we're sort of looking for why he didn't. But you know, it didn't cost us in the end. I just feel like, to be honest, at half time, I was in, I was totally shell shocked. I was like, <laughs> how is he not get like that? All like, it it ruined the rest of the half for me yeah. because <laughs> it's all I could think about was the the fact that like it wasn't even like a, a difficult in my eyes wasn't a difficult decision. Yeah. But it didn't cost us, so I'm not going to sit and. Sort of complain too much about it, but um, yeah, it it is a it is it is a big issue generally. Well, yeah, with referees. But, but the biggest the, the thing is with penalties, and and I wish sometimes they'd come out and say it because I think referees when they do their old kind of gatherings in the summer and kind of catch up on what they think the rules should be, I think they always decide that the bar should be higher for a penalty, but they don't officially come out and tell you that, like because the the you know mm. the 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 risk reward you know of, you know you give away a penalty you can change a whole game. So they, I think the referees think that a normal foul on the halfway line isn't a foul in the box because the reward for getting that foul is is much bigger, which is ridiculous. But I always think the referees got that in mind, but they never come out and officially say it. Hmm. We had two other big chances in that first half, if you remember. The one that Robert, uh, really yeah. good strike, um, which was heading for the top corner. And I thought that little mag twat and goal for them was going <laughs> to spoil our afternoon Woodman because he just saved everything like he was fantastic to be fair yeah, he was. Um, yeah. hell of a save from Robert probably a, a, a little bit easier the, the other one he made from Gellart the ball from Pierre Ekwar for that by the way oh. oh I could watch that over and over it was lush I'm gutted it didn't end off in a goal because but that that's sort of been the issue with Gellart hasn't it sometimes you know we talk about how he isn't a natural striker and he hasn't had a ton of chances but you know, when he gets a chance like that, you've got to finish it. Um, but yeah, I mean, Woodman did well to, to make the save. He made himself big, I suppose. But you, you're, you're hoping that he's just that ball. I, I, it, that that's like a proper. It's like you know, back in the day when Sotrem used to do the that the the, the um, compilations of skills and stuff. That's better than a skill. It's just that pass around the corner. It was just epic, and I'm really excited about Pierre. Well, we might as well talk about him now, actually, because you know. It, it was probably the best thing he did in the game, but he was outstanding. I thought. I thought if, it's very easy to look at the lads who scored the goals and be like, "Oh yeah, brilliant, brilliant." But in terms of an all-round performance, that's I'm going to say that's close to, if not the best, midfield performance I've seen this season from a Sunderland player. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'm glad you're talking about Ekwa because I just thought he was fantastic. And that that particular move, if you watch the whole move again from when we won the ball, we won the ball inside our own half and Ekwa was, Ekwa was involved in that. And then he took the ball forward and he played, I think he played kind of a one-two at first and then he took the, drove the ball forward and then he got involved in the move and that reverse pass through to Gellard. I mean, to be fair, it was good movement by Gellard. Gellard made a good run. Yeah, yeah. But for Ekwa, Ekwa kind of thread the needle through right through the middle of a couple of defenders uh, through to Gellard and laid it on a plate to him. And 
like you said, I mean, he's got to be putting that away. And I mean, Woodman spread himself and did well, but he still had either. I mean, you put it either side of the keeper. I think he tried to be clever and put it underneath him. Um, what, what yeah. like when I think, you? I think Don Goodman on the commentary was talking about lifting it. You know, he was but saying he should have lifted it, but, yeah. but st- stick it a yard either side. I mean, uh, you know, when you've got a keeper jumping like that in front of you. I mean, I know like there's a lot of strikers who the clever thing is to put it underneath them, but you stick it a yard either side, and and that's a goal. But anyway, I don't I don't want to take that away from Echo because, like you said, um, just what's improving, and you know what, it reminds us of a lot a lot of when you know Trey Hume first got in the team, yeah, and mm-hmm. for the first for the first few games, first two or three games, he was finding his feet, doing the simple thing very well, but not really not really pushing himself, and the more. And more that Eck was getting game time, his confidence is going up and up and up. And now he's confident on the he's turning into a different player on the ball because yeah. you know you know that I think as soon as he came into the team, you could see he could kind of he, he had that kind of knowledge, kind of the vision off the ball where he could you know pick up a pass that a loose pass that the opposition's got, which I think is one of his best assets. By the way, he he, he can see what the opposition are going to do. Before, almost before they do, and he's already in position. But I, I just want to say as well with Ekwe, and I, and I mentioned this at the time on the pod that I think the genius thing that Mowbray did was after the um, he gave the penalty away against Hull. Yes, he on. did. Yeah, yeah. And then for the Cardiff game because it was only three days later, and I, and I, I remember us saying, and I said that I just hope that Mowbray sticks him straight back in because if he stuck him on the bench after that mistake. Egwere's head might have dropped and he we might have kind of lost him for the rest of the season because mm-hmm. his chin would have hit the floor and all this sort of stuff. But Mowbray picked him back up, stuck him straight in the team and he got back on the saddle. And I just think he's repaired him back in spades because I think, I think yeah. you know, what was it, his fifth his fifth start against Preston? I mean, to play like that in your <laughs> fifth senior start, yeah. I mean, he's going to be a player next season. Isn't it makes you wonder about Michu a little bit, doesn't it? Because he, he sort of emerged in... In the place of Michu, I guess, in a way, and Mowbray wouldn't be drawn on Michu during the week when he was asked about whether we'll sign him or not. You look at it and you think, well, you know, Ekwa's probably got a bit more about him than Michu does, you know, and longer term, is he more suited to the English game? I mean, there's a reason he's playing at the minute, you know, they look at it and they think he's better suited at the minute. But they've got they've got different attributes, and I think at this yeah. age, all, all these young players are going to have peaks and troughs. And, you know, let, let's, let's say we were in the middle of the season... Eck was probably going to have, you know, eight to ten fantastic games and then he might go off the boil. And whereas that's when Mishu kind of might, might have come back in. So, you know, and, and Mishu at times has been fantastic and he's had fantastic games. And But this is what happens when you've got a squad like... We talked about this again earlier in the season. When you've got a squad like this of, of young, talented players, they're itching to get involved, especially when the team are playing well. So mm. Mishu... I think Michio couldn't remember. He got he picked up a little niggle, didn't he, or or something like that. I can't remember what it was. Possibly, yeah. And and, and he had to come out, but Anek was taking his place, and he he's he's kind of took his chance in the same way Trey Hume did as well. Trey Hume got a sniff of a chance, came in, and now he's one of the first names on the team sheet. Yeah, it go, again, just goes back to something me and you've said a lot. You you you've got to give them chances to actually see what they're made of like people were writing off Ekwa after about 14 <laughs> minutes of senior football and you just yeah, you do have to laugh it. about it because you just think like you're not seeing the bigger picture you, you what, what do you expect when you sign a kid from an under 21s team who's never kicked a ball in senior yeah. football you're not going to see the best of him immediately you're going to 
you know, <laughs> Chelsea signed him for a reason. West Ham signed him for a reason. There is something there. And hopefully this is where he where he unlocks his potential. It's obviously gonna be um gonna be his home now going forward. But you look at him and you think, if he plays a hundred games, how good's he gonna be? When when you're seeing like bits and pieces of him now, we still haven't seen if he can score goals. You know what I mean? And and everything that um he did for West Ham at under twenty one level suggests that he's got goals in his locker. So, you know, he's he's clearly a very talented lad, but I, I just love that it's taken sort of the... It, 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 you've just sort of touched on it before, but this is... I know there is... It feels like there's not pressure on this, but it would be very easy for players to fold, even though the, the, mm. there isn't really a great deal of pressure on, on us at the minute. It would be very easy for players to fold in this situation and make mistakes and, and crumble. And like that... that Penalty Ekwar gave away could have been definitive. I think under different management, he wouldn't have got back in the team this season. He would have been put out the way, left till pre-season. Alex I Neil mean, wouldn't have. Alex Neil, yeah, yeah. I'm just about to say it. Alex Neil probably wouldn't have played him. Yeah. I mean, he probably wouldn't have even got on the pitch in that game. But like, it it is sort of indicative of this environment that Tony Mowbray has created, and that it doesn't matter if you make a mistake because you're gonna you're gonna be given the chance to put it right at some point. Yeah. And like what a, I mean what a what a job he's done by the way. I know we're still going through the game, but <laughs> like it it just brings you back to this like Mowbray has done unbelievable for Sunderland. Like I said it at the top, how how are we even in this situation? I think the majority of it's down to him, if I'm honest. Yeah. Because it's a, such a good group of players, yes, but with all the problems we've had, it took a special type of character to pull them together, didn't it? And even get through this game at half time at nil nil, and I know he said he didn't know what results were going elsewhere, but I don't believe that for one minute. <laughs> he he hundred percent knew what was going on everywhere else because the way we came out in that second half suggested to me we knew we had to we knew we had to turn it right up, just so that the other teams knew that we turned it right up. You know what I mean? And um, like you see it in the players in the second half, they obviously know what's going on elsewhere. And if they let's just say I take let's take Maddie's word and they don't know, but they do know we've got to win. They go in at half time and they come out a totally different team because we went for it. We just went at them. And like we we have been critical sometimes of maybe what gets said at half time because we don't always start the second half well. But at the right time we've turned it right on. Because in this this second half was easily in in a twenty minute period of football, probably the best I've seen all season. Easily. Easily. And we've played some gorgeous stuff this year. But that sort of twenty minutes from half time up until when Clark scored hands down the best I've seen this team play. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, just you mentioning Mowbray just stuck a smile on my face because he, he does, he's that, he's that sort of character. I mean, I mean, obviously, look, 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 don't get us wrong that, you know, things always, you, you always see the best of people when results are going right. But he's, that, he's, but he's played it so level-headed that you would think if things didn't go quite right, he'd still have the same outlook. Like, he'd still be playing, you know, as much as he's playing it like we're doing well down, if we, if we weren't going, doing so well, he'd play that down as well. He'd be that you know, yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's a balance somewhere. And, you know, the the way... And I remember hearing stories at the start of the season. I mean, maybe when kind of Alex Nails kind of left. And I, I can't remember the, the exact timing. But there was talk then of kind of fractures in, in, the, in the squad where, you know, all the lads, all the French lads had sit on their own and they wouldn't kind of talk to the rest of the lads and some other lads would sit over there and... You know that kind of you know those clicks within the within the group, and I remember hearing these rumors earlier in the season, 
And if if that's true, I mean, because they could be absolute rubbish, to be fair. But regardless of you know, if that's true, you know, Mowbray, you can the difference that Mowbray has brought to this club. I mean, that all the, this squad and a lot of new players in the in the summer came in. A lot of kids who couldn't speak English, and he's had to, he's had to deal with all that, and he's brought them together for for them then to go out as a team as a group, because if if the players aren't a group. You don't get performances like we saw at the Hawthorns. You don't get performances that we saw at Preston. You don't get those performances if the team isn't together. And you can see when you know you can see when you see the behind the scenes videos, and you can see when the the team celebrate that they're all in it together. And as you said, that that's down to Tony Mowbray, and Tony Mowbray's pulled them together, and they've now got a cause because um, you know, like you say, you heard of Jack Clark after the game. He was like, well, you know that they're almost on a mission he said well you know we've gone through all this so let's not kind of waste the opportunity and I think they all feel that they all feel like you know we deserve something because we've done so well this season I'd be interested to uh, speak to some Blackburn fans and find out what they think of it all because they all told us that he he bottles the playoffs he his teams fall away after February and you know look at them <laughs> they didn't they, they changed their manager in the end, it was goal difference that did them. You know, we ended up, we we were over the forty six games the better goal scorer. Blackburn finished on minus two. We we finished on plus thirteen. So you know, maybe under a different manager, they might have made it. But um, yeah, I mean, the second half, like I said, was enthralling for twenty minutes or so. Anyways, after that, we sort of we just <laughs> took the piss a bit. Um, but that that first goal, I mean, what do you say about Ahmad? That is ridiculous, that goal. No backlift, ping. Just like no no thought. The ball just sort of falls to him. It's not like he's he's got a microsecond to adjust his body to hit it. That that to me is just a mark of a top player, isn't it? Like I, and I've said repeatedly, I think I think he's a Premier League footballer any day of the week. And if he went back to Man U in the summer and was starting games, it wouldn't surprise us because he's that good. But like even then, how many players have we had over the years with quality to be able to do what he did there? Totally flipped the game on its head, didn't it? At a crucial, crucial moment, really. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, you said it coming out after the break. I mean, Mowbray had clearly um, had words with them about control of the game because, look, I mean, that goal, Ahmad's goal, was 10 minutes into the into the second half. But before that, I mean, just two minutes into the second half, Dan Neil curled the ball around the post after a fantastic move. Could have scored there. And then a few minutes later, we had that weird Gellart thing where Roberts crossed the ball and Gellart decided not to try and kick it, which I thought was, was a bit Oh, weird. yeah, what that, was that about? But, but that, that was a decent chance. And then a few minutes after that, so about five minutes after the, the second half started, Equa did that brilliant one-two on the edge of the box and almost got pretty much cleaned through. And yeah. Woodman made another crack and save. So we had three really good chances just in the first five minutes of the second half. But then, but then this one... and. Again, even those chances, the, if you, again, look back at the way we made these chances, we were just so patient on the ball and we, we waited for our opportunity. And this one was a bit kind of lucky in a way because it re- rebounded back to Ahmad. And the way it rebounded back to him, that the last thing I think most other players would do is hit that first time. Because <laughs> it, did, it, didn't, it didn't come back to him with kind of a ton of pace where he no. could use the pace on the ball. And I don't know where he got that power because he had no backlift whatsoever on his left foot. 
and just smashed it and put smashed <laughs> it and curled it into the top corner without any backlift where the ball's not coming to him with any pace. I mean, it was absolutely ridiculous. And I tell you what, you mentioned Man United. I bet you Ten Hag has slight regrets about not bringing him back for the second half of the season because he would have been useful for Man United because they've they've kind of spluttered in the second half of the season. Yeah, and yeah. I tell you what, he would have been useful for them. But I mean, especially when you look at goals like that. But I mean, like I said, watch if if any if I'm I'm sure a lot of people have recorded the game like the full game. If watch the few minutes before that how we were patient with the ball and just we waited for an opportunity. But like I said, I mean, just for the ball to rebound back to him, and no, I guarantee you, no other player on the pitch would have hit that first time other than Ahmad, and it was no, just no. it was Ahmad in a nutshell this season that goal. Nah, and you're right. I don't think anybody else would have had the goal to even attempt it. No, Just no. ridiculous skill. Like, and I think I think that's what separates him from in a team of very good technical players. He's got this just something else about him, hasn't he? Which separates him from the rest. It's no. just top class ability and the ability of a of a player who costs forty million euros. Like, let's not forget that. That's what you pay for, isn't it? Really, yeah. you know. But I'm, I'm I mean. I'm going to be gutted if he doesn't come back because <laughs> just for moments like that I just in my life as a Sunderland fan I can't think of many players who've got that ability no and, and I said before I said before when we were watching the highlight back as well when the ball comes to him as well it's almost like he's got so much skill when the ball's coming to him he thinks oh I can't be arsed I'm just going to smash this in the top corner <laughs> it's, a, it's a he's got how, he just, how many times do you think can? he's done that in training though oh, that exact thing yeah Exactly, no. and I mean, it's as you said, I mean, we've we've seen players with skill over the years, and I mean, I'm, I might be a kind of a pup compared to, you know, some of the some of the older fans out there who saw the you know the likes of, you know, even even go back to Shackleton and Stewart and you know all of them you can go through. I mean, I was going back to kind of Alan Johnson, I suppose, as, in terms of trickery, and then you've got the the Mal Branks of the world and the Cesson Youngs, but I honestly think. And I know it's all relative of what level you're playing at, but just in terms of it doesn't matter what level you're playing at f- to ping the ball in first time at the top corner because that that it's not about opposition because no goalkeeper in the no. world saving that. No, he's he's a special player. Just I'm glad we get to see him at least two more times. That mm. that's all I can really say about <laughs> Ahmad. You know, and he did. He came out after the game on Sky, didn't he? And he said something along the lines of, "I might come back if we get promoted or whatever." He's I mean, a tease. I love that. He's a tease. Oh, I think I think the thing is is what it it's that it's that carrot dangling. It's you know we might get promoted and we could get him back. Like oh, I just love him, love him, lovely footballer. You you, you reeled off a couple of names there of players and like I say, I, I mean the own right players like Malbrank and Cessnion. They've got a special place in my heart, but Ahmad's there on his own. Just to, I, I think the, the, to me the best loan player we've ever had, and we've had some good ones. Best loan player we've ever had. Um, I've tried not to fall in love with him because it's going to hurt when he leaves. But how can you not when he's doing stuff like that every week? He's he's gorgeous to watch. Just yeah. I hope I hope my new fans know how special he is because I know when you're at that level and you've you've throughout your time as a fan and as a club, you you know you it, you become accustomed to watching world class footballers. But like he is special and he deserves to be treated properly next season wherever he goes. And I honestly think, having watched watched a fair bit of Manu this season, he's better than that clown the play right wing who they paid a hundred million for. So, <laughs> t- 
to me, like you know, it wouldn't be fair if he didn't go there and get a shot. Because at the end of the day, his dream was never to play for Sunderland. It was to go to Manchester United, mm. the biggest club in the world, and make it. And if we've played some small part along the way, or we get to play an even bigger part, you know, after a promotion, you know, would be amazing. But whatever, whatever the case may be, well, Maddie just deserves to be treated properly. But and again, just what you've told that exact statement, what you ended up there, treated properly. Because I think if you look back to the games, the the very first handful of games that Mowbray took charge of, I think even he had to have patience with Ahmad because I don't mm-hmm. think Ahmad came in and, like you said, I don't think he really, oh, I'm going where? Sunderland. And he probably, someone had to show him a map, you know, probably and go, <laughs> that, that, that's where yeah. you're going. He thought, what what are you sending us up there for in the, in the championship? What are you sending us there for? And he's come up and I think actually the club had, had a lot of patience with him. But I think you, you touched it that, the players, I think the likes of Mowbray came in, saw him probably ping the ball in the top corner of training. But, <laughs> you know, he might have not been on it, you know, mentally when he when Mowbray first came in. Because at least Ahmad came into a club he didn't know. The manager does a run at the Stoke City. Ahmad's probably thinking, what the hell is going on? He probably can't mm. speak to many of the players because he, you know, struggles with the language and, you know, and all that sort of stuff. And to, to, come, to come now and just start doing things like that, I mean... Yeah, I mean, but like you said, Man United need that patience with them as well. Man United yeah, yeah. need to be need to be patient with them, and uh, and you know, I, I I get the feeling with that. I know it was a bit of a juicy dangler he left in that uh, interview, but uh, but I, I'm sure actually, I just think now I just think he wants to enjoy his football, and he loves being yeah, adored. Yeah. You, you saw him; he took in as much of that after his goal. He stood in front of the crowd as long as he possibly could before the referee kind of you know, grabbed all of his shirt and yanked him back into our half. And he just loved it. He loved standing in front of it. And I just think he's, he, he loves being adored by us. He, he's enjoying his football. And to be honest, I just think he's really glad as well that he's got more chances to play. Yeah. And it was the second goal from Pritchard, really, that killed the game off as a tie. And it's Pritchard to me, and I don't know if you you agree or not, but being one of the unsung heroes of the last few weeks, every time he's come on the pitch, he's changed the game for us. It was him... It was him coming on that that really changed the game in our favour. In my opinion, he he came on um, around about um, oh, it was half time, wasn't it for certain? Obviously, certain went off injured. Yeah. Yeah. Pritchard comes on, and it felt like and I know obviously it was a it was a force sub, but he could have just brought on Anderson, couldn't he? And went with a defender. He didn't. He brought on Pritchard. He went basically without a a right back in that second half, and. To me, I think it was the substitution of Pritchard which totally changed the game for us. And I mean, the goal was superb, wasn't it? You know, you look at the you you mentioned the angle from behind mm. where you you see him sort of shape up to curl it to the to the sort of the, the keeper's left, but he doesn't. He, yeah. he he a little bit like Ahmad's goal against Burnley earlier in the season, if you remember that one. Mm. Although Ahmad had less bodies in front of him, <laughs> places in the back of the net really and sends the keeper the wrong way. Fantastic goal, wasn't it? Yeah, just before we get on to Pritchard's goal, I just want to mention because three minutes, three minutes after Ahmad did his did his thing, did his moment of magic, three minutes after that, I just wanted to mention because Preston North End had a corner, and that's when Patterson made that fantastic save, and then Jack Clark overhead kicked it about a yard out. <laughs> I mean <laughs> that that could because actually the, you know that if three minutes after we take the lead, if that goes ones each. You know, the kind of nerves start jangling and, you know, we get pegged back straight away and it becomes a different game. But that save from Patterson, because it was a header from like six yards out, I thought Patterson was absolutely cracking to save it and, and Jack Clark as well to to 
just <laughs> just decide he's going to overhead kick it because <laughs> I think I think you know if you've got a Danny Barton there he just heads it out for a corner or something like that but Jack Clark overhead kicked it but but yeah I mean the the Pritchard thing again just to to kind of take it back to to where that started um, it was an Equa tackle and then Equa uh, picked you know he won the ball for us picked the ball up and it was another crack and move uh, Ahmad um, and then Clark and then it went to Pritchard. Um, and it was a cracking little run from Clark because he t- he took three players out and then played it across to Pritchard and, and Pritchard had loads of room on the edge of the box. But it, as you touched on, Pritchard to want to look to curl it into that right hand corner, the goalkeeper's left, as you said, and then to just reverse it and sweep it back to where it came from in in that corner. The goalkeeper didn't have a clue. I mean, he didn't even move, and he, he had a good day. You know, <laughs> Woodman was on it today. And uh, mm. Pritchard just kind of just completely did him, and uh, Woodman didn't have a clue where Pritchard was going to stick it. And uh, I mean, he's you know he's been he's been hot and cold this season, Pritchard. But when he turns it on, you, you can see he's got that class. You just you just want want him to do it more consistently, and you want to get more ninety minutes out of him as well. Yeah, and then the third, which uh, complete, I think it was three goals in eleven minutes from Clark. Typical Jack Clark goal, wasn't it? It was a typical Sunderland goal as well on the counter-attack. He receives the ball out wide on the left and peculiarly the uh, the defender shows him on his decent foot, which I found really strange at the time. Clark bends it inside and it's bottom corner goal and Woodman gets nowhere near it and you're just like, well, that's game over, isn't it? But I just couldn't believe what I was watching at that point. I, did, I didn't see that coming. Didn't see three goals in 11 minutes coming. Um, and I think the third went in as Blackburn got their... Maybe in their equaliser as well. So it's pretty much at the exact same time. So it was double whammy in terms of uh, excitement. Not only did we score again, but then over at the uh, the other game at the Den, uh, Blackburn got the equaliser, which put us into sixth place. <laughs> and at that point, I thought I was gonna, I thought I was gonna die. Genuinely, <laughs> just, I've never felt so much. I don't know. It was just a weird range of emotions. Thought I was going to pa- I genuinely thought I was going to pass out. It was it was bizarre. Well, there was there was four minutes. There was four minutes between Pritchard's goal and Jack Clark's goal, and I wrote down. I don't know why I wrote it down. I think because, like I said, I think I was just in a blind state of panic. That I wrote for some reason. I wrote in my notes. I wrote sixteen twenty four. That was the time. That's when we went into the playoffs. Um, right. I don't know why. I don't know why I wrote that down. I just decided. I just I was panicking. And I thought, <laughs> bloody hell, I'm going to write that down because that, you know, that's what we did. But, but like you said, there was four minutes between those goals, and and Jack Clark and and I, I mentioned this to you before, um, uh, before the uh, before we started recording that Jack Clark's done this all season, and I think he was asked the question as well in the interview after the game. But, uh, you know, I, there was a lad at school who played footy against, and he did the same trick every time but he was so good at it that he beat you every time with it you knew exactly what he was going to do and he still he still took a past you doing exactly what you knew he was going to do and Jack Clark does this like he <laughs> I think all the players know that he wants to cut in and he wants to bend it in that far corner and the amount of times like the player knows the defender knows exactly what he's going to do he's shaping up and Clark still beats him because he's got a half a yard of pace, and I don't think I don't think defenders realise what a half a yard of pace he's got. You know when he knocks the ball, yeah, it, yeah. you look, you think Jack Clark knocks the ball too far, don't you? Sometimes you think, oh, he's knocked yeah, that yeah. too far, and he gets to it, and he he takes a pass the player, and I, I think defenders kind of kind of underestimate this kind of burst of pace he's got. 
But when he took it inside, you just thought, right, he's going to do it. And where's this going to end up? And, you know, right in the bottom corner. I mean, it's super. He's been amazing, Jack Clark. And, you know, it, it's it's interesting to hear, you know, when you hear kind of neutrals on, on Sky or whatever talk about, you know, oh, they're really glad to see Jack Clark kind of playing well. Because I think a lot of people in the football world knew how good he was, you know, when he was young at Leeds and went to Spurs and all that sort of stuff. And a lot of people are, are glad that he's playing well. But just, just to quickly mention as well about that third goal, again, we won the ball in about midway inside our own half. Again, if you watch the goal right back to where it first started, we won the ball back on the right-hand side, on the almost on the right-hand side touchline in our middle of our own half. And there was about four passes and then it got to Jack Clark to do his thing. And that, that again, that sums us up that Preston think they're on the attack. They're pushing forward. We win the ball. And four passes later, Jack Clark's got the ball on the edge of the box and he's curling it in the bottom corner. I mean, it's just it's just brilliant. Again, it, it sums up this team. Yeah, no, totally. It's yeah, I just I'm I'm just so happy that I got to witness it, if I'm honest. Um but yeah, we we tread the rest of the game. A bit like a training game, really. We just took the piss. We just knocked it around, passed it side to side. Keep ball. I think Preston had totally given up by that point. And all I had ringing round in my head <laughs> was that comment by their manager before the game where he said, oh, we'll definitely be treating this like a massive game. We won't have our flip-flops on. We won't be on the beach. Well, his team was most definitely on the beach at that point. They had totally given up. Um, and you can't really blame them. They're just They're just being schooled, really. For, for be, sort of eleven minutes. Be, that's what I was going to say. To be fair, to be fair, their their players were getting really wound up and pissed off. And actually, at one point, I was actually thinking, shit, you know, we could pick up an injury or two here because at times they were getting so pissed off with us passing it around and just keeping the ball that they were going in with some really stupid tackles. And it yeah. nearly kicked off at one point. I thought someone might get injured. Well, Gooch went off injured, didn't he? So that you know, someone did get hurt in the end, and obviously, Circum mm. went off at half time. Let's hope they're not too bad, but obviously, uh, you know, we, we did see photos of Circan after the game wearing a boot, so that often means it's a, it's a little bit worse than just a knock. But we'll see, we'll see. I mean, like I say, we played out the rest of the game. Um, Obviously, the points at that point were never in doubt. We were sort of waiting to see what happened elsewhere. I, I know I was. To be honest, I totally checked out of our game <laughs> after Clark scored <laughs> because I was just constantly looking to see what was going on in the Blackburn-Millwall game. And... um. I mean, you'd be raging if you were a Millwall fan, wouldn't you? 3 1 up at half time. They've totally bottled it second half. Totally bottled it. I was looking at the stats for their game before. Millwall had um, four shots on target in the whole game and scored three of them. Um, but Blackburn dominated the game, you know, in terms of shots and possession and passes. And you get what you deserve in that case, you know. Millwall, Millwall obviously at half time felt like they were already they were already in the playoffs. There was they, yeah. they definitely took their foot off the gas. And um, thank God for Blackburn Rovers. That's all I've got to say. Because I mean, it wasn't just about Sunderland; it was about Blackburn. What Blackburn did too. We we can win that game three 0 and, and you know, if, if Blackburn don't do what they do, then we don't end up in the playoffs. We 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 owe them a a big big debt of gratitude, not only for giving us Tony Mowbray for free, but also <laughs> um, also also. <laughs> not in Millwall out the playoff race. Yeah. Mind, I did watch, I saw uh, Watmore's two goals and Blackburn absolutely just completely gifted 
the goals to to Millwall. I mean, mm. I think there was a it was a it was a header that was supposed to go back to the keeper and sent what more clean through and all that that sort of stuff. So I mean, but back in the day, by the way, that situation would have definitely knocked us out of something. A former yeah. player who didn't particularly <laughs> light the world up here at Sunderland and Duncan Duncan Watmore scoring twice to do us out of a playoff spot. <laughs> That that's something that would have happened probably four or five years ago to us, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, guaranteed. It's happened. It's happened plenty of times over the years. But I was going to say as well that I mentioned in the preview when we we're talking that you know we were talking about pressure and our lads kind of not really you know having the pressure that we maybe felt in previous years. But I mentioned about Millwall that I thought they were actually under pressure because the club the club's hardly ever been in that position. And I think mm. they, they, everything was so hyped up at Millwall to think we've got, we've got our first chance of being in the Premier League, and you know I think I don't think they've I don't think they've played, been in the playoffs. I think they've been close a couple of times, but they they were kind of this was their first chance of being in the Premier League, and the club were up for it. And actually, I think they were expecting to win and just be in the playoffs, and and I think there was so much pressure they completely cracked themselves. And, and Millwall aren't they're not a good side. No, they've conceded a lot of a lot of goals yeah. recently, which was sort of what gave me a bit of hope because they, they conceded twice to Wigan and twice against Blackpool in the games before this one. So it made me think they're susceptible to conceding a few. And I, I just think the pressure they crumbled under the pressure, and I think I mm. think uh, I, I just think there was so much you know the hype around them that they were they were highly likely to, to crap their pants. And I think in the first half, uh, Blackburn gifted them the lead, and um, and and to be fair to Blackburn, that they, they kept kind of plugging away because actually to be fair you know Blackburn could have thought oh well you know we've stuffed it for a season but they kept on going thinking they might have half a chance you know if it went wrong yeah, with yeah. us mm-hmm. um, but uh, but thankfully they, they did us a favour well uh, yeah and we live uh, another day I guess the preview pod will be back ahead of Luton on Saturday <laughs> I just can't believe we're even in this position I keep having to pinch myself uh, yeah the first game is against Luton on uh, Saturday, half five kickoff. We'll probably talk about that in, well, we will talk about that in a lot of detail. Right now, I'm just not in a position to even think about that game. I am done in after a day, mentally worn, drained, but it, you wouldn't have it any other way with Sunderland. I, I said this ages ago, we are only capable of extreme highs and extreme lows. We don't do boring, we don't do mediocre, we don't just sit in the middle of the pack and and see the season out like Norwich have, like Bristol City have, like Hull have. That's just not us. It was either going to be a fight till the end for relegation or a fight till the end for promotion. And look at what we've done. Just I've, I, if do you know what it is? I haven't like sort of thinking back about this recording and what as we've talked. I'm so dra- I am drained. I'm like today was. Can you imagine have been? I wish I was in the away end. I could have went and I didn't, and I sort of regret it. But can you imagine being there today, and you've got all the news filtering through about what's going on in the Blackburn Millwall game, and you, you know, you're watching these spectacular goals flying. Like, this is why you're a fan, isn't it? This is why we love Sunderland. I mean, what a team! What a team! What a manager! Just. The one of the best seasons we've ever had, even if it ended today, would have been one of the best seasons we've ever had watching this this club. I mean, it's been it's genuinely been a privilege to watch Son in this season. That performance today is right up there with. I mean, I don't know if we if we played better than that over over a spell this season. That second half was fantastic. I mean, yeah. we 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 do pick our moments. We did it last season. <laughs> you know, we waited till right till the end to to play our best stuff as well. Then. 
we're doing it again and I've said it before you know we've got that recent playoff experience and it does count for something with some of these players they know they've been they've been in this very same situation so write us off at your peril I know the bookies have got us as the least favorite out of all the teams presumably because we finished sixth but I look at them other teams and I say nothing to fear I just think what have we got to fear we're better than all of them in my opinion and that's been proved today with with the football and the goals for me yeah I, I... I couldn't agree with you more about this team, and I know we, we'll probably keep saying it, but I think it's worth saying. You know, like they, these, you know, going nine unbeaten at this stage with with this inexperienced side, with the players who've got out, um, the perf- performances, like you know, particularly Norwich, Burnley, West Brom, and the Preston performance, I don't think I've felt as proud in some of those games as I ha- have of any other Sunderland side because. Some of the other sides, you kind of expect it. This side just keep pulling out these performances. When some sometimes you think some of the some of these games or this season is, you keep thinking right. Well, this might be a step too far for this team, or this game might be a step too far, and they keep stepping up to the plate <laughs> and getting the results. Yeah. And sometimes it just amazes me. Not just. Not just to get the results, but to do it with the swagger that we did at Preston, just to swap these. I mean, like I said, Preston could have finished on the same points as us if they beat us. They're not mugs. They're not like Wigan bottom of the table. And we just kind of almost kind of swatted them aside when we started to kind of get into our rhythm in the game. And I said this, I said this statement to someone today. I can't remember who I said it to, but it's, and I said, it's it's fun being a Sunderland supporter to, again. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I'm, I'm just kind of letting that feeling sink in. Because the, we, it it doesn't come around all as we've experienced. I mean, we've had a pretty dire. What you could almost go back, you know, a decade, ten years of just generally being a bit crap and not being that much fun, and it feeling like a slog at times. And we're we're now coming back round to it being fun, and we can enjoy it again. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm just trying to take it all in and just enjoy it. And because the other thing is as well that. And obviously the playoffs and there's a prize at the end of it, but it's you've you touched on it there, Gav. There's a there's a joy in being able to watch this side for at least two more games because you know let, we talked about Ahmad. He might not come back. You you don't know what the summer's going to bring, and we've got this fantastic team now. Never let's not kind of think too far in the next season because let's enjoy this team for at least two more games and just just kind of. You know, be, you know, basking what they're doing and just just enjoy them. Well said, mate. Well said. Well, we will be back with a preview pod. Thank the Lord um, before Luton <laughs> on Saturday. So make sure you check that out. Uh, cheers, Chris. I'm going to go for a lie down. I need yeah. it. Trust as I need it. I am done in. Sunland is going to be the death of me, I'm sure. Uh, thanks, listeners. Thanks for joining us as always. Make sure you check out roteReport.espionation.com right throughout the week as our writing team dissect the performance, give their thoughts on what's going on as we head into the Luton game, and we'll catch you on the preview pod. Cheers. <laughs>